you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, what's going on, man? Down in Jacksonville. Tell everybody what's going on. Yeah, down in Jacksonville, I am uh, having a chance to check out a team doing mandatory minicamp. As you know, because you you do similar things being the color guy for the Chargers, I am the color guy for the Jaguars during the preseason. So just trying to get my feel for the team and what's going on with Urban Meyer and a bunch of new players trying to kind of figure it all out. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to everything that's going on down there in Jacksonville with you having boots on the ground there. We're gonna talk about their draft, um, what to expect from all these young players. Obviously, Urban Meyer uh, taking his shot at this thing at the NFL level. Bucky having played there now, calling the games there in the preseason for the Jags uh, knows him as well as anybody. So we're gonna get to the Jags and what to expect with them in this upcoming season with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. Um, but before we get to that stuff, Buck, we, we've had a little baseball in the brain here. I'm wearing my Tatis shirt. We've been struggling. The pods have been struggling, but he had a nice little grand slam yesterday, so we're, we're getting hopefully getting hot as we go to Denver um, to get rolling here. But I, I, I wanted to talk a couple things because there's an article uh, in Baseball America uh, that you found that I think is really interesting just on kind of how the – scouting philosophy is changing a little bit the analytics and how that factors in with baseball and how maybe we see a trickle over into football and then i've got 
some stuff I want to hit on in terms of everything that's going on with the sticky stuff, right? With pitchers, there's they're going to crack down yeah. on that. So it got me thinking, what about the competitive advantages you could maybe have in football? And so I wrote down a list of things that we've seen in the past and maybe some things we see in the future. Oh, no, that's, that's fun. I think, look, I, I think the baseball and the crossover is really, really interesting, right? Because we have seen analytics. Uh, they've been heavy in baseball for maybe the last 15 to 20 years. Football is beginning to catch up and it's beginning to impact and influence the way that we look at the game, not only from a play calling perspective, but it's infiltrated, infiltrated the, the scouting world, how we analyze people or whatever. You've talked about GPS and some of the other things and you're just trying to take all the information to make the best decisions. And so I do believe now more than ever, the information that we find out and discover in baseball is impacting the way that we also should look at the game of football. Yeah. And, and some of it to do with kind of those standards. We always talk about prototypes and, and, you know, you go back to Bill Parcells and, and Belichick for a long time. Those guys were so stringent and strict, you know, they weren't that you don't want to take one exception because then you have a team full of exceptions. So they, they had the the standards you had to meet and kind of what you're getting at and what this article is getting at and talking a lot about the White Sox and how they've evaluated players, not necessarily the prototype guys, you know, five foot seven second baseman. They take in the top 10, a six foot first baseman. They take in, I think, with the sixth overall pick, this stuff doesn't happen. And now they're, you know, they're as good as anybody in baseball right now with these guys who are exceptions. Yeah, no, it, it is, it's really interesting. And also, they play differently, DJ, like before. I mean, we think about baseball where, A, th- there were two ways you played. It was either load them up and have a big bopper, clean the bases and knock them in, or you kind of go back old school where you have speed and quickness and you go station to station baseball. You try and do the right thing, hit to the opposite field, make the right sacrifices, the right plays, and you tally up the runs that way. We talk about manufacturing runs. But to do that, you have to have guys that have skill that are able to do that. And so I just think we're, we're kind of seeing this, this new school, old school thing play out in baseball. And you do want it. Are similar things going to happen in football? Yeah, you know, there's so many different fun baseball things that I've been, you know, digging in on. I've got to know some of these folks in some of these front offices. And I think it's fascinating. I, you know, I know the Padres pretty well and know, know folks there. And their approach that they've taken – I think it's interesting because I think you could see this in football, which is they are volume, right? They go sign a bunch of guys in international market. They've had a bunch of draft picks. They've traded for a bunch of prospects. And all that they do, Buck, is chase upside. So in other words, we're going to get 10 guys with enormous upside and hope that we pull one or two of them out of the pile. But then at the end of the day, if you get, you know, if it's just volume, if you have enough of those guys, now you end up having five, you know, four or five high impact players in your system that come up. Now you've got stars and and kind of off you go uh, versus maybe another approach, which is a little more, you know, we we just kind of we know what we've got. You know, it's a little more conservative. You don't have as many picks, so let's make them count. They've taken just a volume approach with how they've done it. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. Like, if you go all the way back, there are people that have said that. Going back to Jimmy Johnson in those days, Jimmy Johnson was the main one to say, like, hey, get as many picks as you can and throw as many darts as, as <laughs> on the dartboard yeah. because you just don't know. The year that they drafted Zach Thomas, they had, they had expended a, a, a ton of picks, but Zach Thomas was a fifth-round pick. Turns out to be a guy that plays at a Hall of Fame caliber level. And so – there is some value to that. But if you're going to take that approach, then what you're also doing is, man, are you a little more in the prototypes? 
like guys that have the traditional things that typically play in the league, but maybe you haven't seen the production. But because they have the height, weight, speed, the athleticism, you accumulate enough of those guys. Maybe one out of four of those guys emerges as a player, depending on how you develop them. If you take more of the production-based guys who don't necessarily have the measurables, can you put them in a position to produce like they produce at a lower level? I think it's fascinating, but whatever the approach, I think what we're seeing, and let's use the White Sox as an example, the coaching staff and the scouting staff, they must be in alignment. Meaning that if you have Tony La Russa, which is funny because Tony La Russa is more of an old school, you would like to think about a traditional baseball coach, but maybe what the White Sox front off done is it's a lot of more quote-unquote baseball players as opposed to the prototype things that want guys that can do more and because they can do more he can dig into his deep um, bag of experience and tricks and play the game a bunch of different ways because he has that much at his disposal and I think what you were talking about it kind of leads me to in football versatility we've Mm -hmm. talked about positionless ball when they if I get a bunch of guys that can play a bunch of different things if I have a very creative coach he can take those guys and put them in a system and put them on the field and give them a chance to have success because he puts them in the right spot. Yeah. And I, I think kind of, there's an article actually, if you should, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's in the athletic. It's a guy named Dennis Lynn who he, he writes for the Padres. We did this, this long uh, uh, piece kind of on their development and, and their process and their philosophy. And so I, I should add this component. He talked about chasing high upside guys, but then with, with outstanding makeup, so, in other words, your odds increase when you have the length and athleticism and speed, and then now you've got excellent makeup. The hope is then you're just going to kind of figure it out as you go along. Now, maybe not all of them will, but the ones that will, you hit big. So, you've got the White Sox who've kind of gone away from a prototype thing. You've got the Padres who've kind of gone with kind of a height, weight, speed type thing. But I think what marries them together, Buck, is they're saying makeup, like that that outstanding football makeup, baseball makeup. You know, we talk about in scouting all the way across the board. And and in this article it also talks about uh, kind of the rise of analytics and everybody's kind of looked at, you know, trying to get an edge uh, with with analytics. And what it said here, I think it was AJ Preller, the general manager, it said um it's all in the, the team with the most information wins in baseball. Yeah. And I thought that's a great way to say it. Now he said, now there's different types of information. There's analytics. There's the, you know, where you position your defense. It's how you attack hitters. It's knowing how they're going to attack you. Um, but it's also information in terms of the background on the kid, knowing how they're wired, knowing uh, information medically on these guys. Think about having to scout guys internationally in baseball, yeah. having good sources, good contacts, literally get the best information. Some of that's numbers and some of that is more personality and people driven. And uh, it, it, It's funny you, you, you talked about the information, and I, I like to think that as scouts, uh, particularly on the football side, oh, we do a really good job of the background and getting to know the player and you know it's kind of like the value in some teams they don't cross check because they would rather their scouts spend all their time devoted to the area cultivating those relationships and not only looking at the soon-to-be seniors but also knowing guys when they're freshmen and sophomores and beginning to keep a foul on them I don't know if you've heard that from some of your guys where they say hey yeah. look man now we're being tasked with when guys come in we're beginning to follow them from their freshman year on maybe not a hard scout, but just like a soft, let's take some notes on them. Let's begin to assess. 
oh, we see the hot shot freshman. Let's begin to get some notes and some background information on them because we know eventually we're going to talk about them. I think I think that makes sense. And I think the common denominator that you talk about, because it's two two things that we talk about, like we can talk about the playing character and then the mm-hmm. moral character. The moral character is do they know right from wrong? Do they make good yeah. decisions away from the game and those things? But the playing character is how much do they love it? Like how much do they really, really love it? Do they love the game? Do they love it enough where they always want to be around it and do it? And I'm going to say this, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine. Um, their team is in the College World Series. And we were talking about like the plight of a walk-on. Like my, my son is going to walk on and attempt to play yeah. and those things. And we were just kind of talking about like the way to go and the way to go and how the intangibles matter. Are they always around the dugout? Are they always around the field? Are they willing to do the other stuff? Fungo, shag ball, do whatever is asked. Are they all in? Because sometimes DJ, those guys are, I think uh, your buddy John Gordon, they talk about what the energy bus, yeah. guys that bring energy yeah. to the thing. You need those guys. And so as we're building a team, we're building a team not collecting talent, you want guys that can uplift the rest of the guys in the locker room because they're glue guys. And so understanding that, and I think it applies in all sports, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, those intangibles matter. And you want to have enough information to be able to sort through the intangibles to make really good decisions. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how, you know, we're always looking at these other sports and how it kind of crosses over. And I, I do think there is, uh, there's something to that. And I think, that's really a great differentiator when you talk about two talented guys. Well, you've got two talented people who are both going to be given a bunch of money and a bunch of time. So if you know the person well, you know, while the players might be similar, the person can be the deciding factor on who who you go with and who's going to be a success and who's who might struggle a little bit. So that's a challenge. And in a year, this last year, which was so challenging, is not being able to be on campuses uh, to get that information on guys. Now that, again, leads me to – in a football standpoint, 2022 NFL draft should be one of the best drafts we've had in a long time. We have all these kids coming back. Some of them, we call them super seniors, right? So you're going to see some mm-hmm. guys emerge from that. I think you're going to see these small school kids we we didn't we kind of lost track of that are going to jump up into the mix. Um, and you're going to have now, hopefully, somewhat back to normal through a scouting process. We know they already had the NFS meetings, the National Scouting Service. They already had their meetings to go over the players. So you're going to have a normal run through, a normal cycle, and you're going to have a bigger pool of players and a better pool of players, which when you look at the teams that have collected a bunch of picks in this draft, smart smart on them. Yeah, but, you know, we, we, we talked about that, and we talked about some teams that were going to willingly punt on 2021 draft picks yeah. for 2022 because there was so much uncertainty in this year's draft because you didn't have a, a, a level playing field in terms of it even like some teams played six, some teams played 11, like you don't know what you're getting. And with all the protocols and stuff, you had guys who didn't play guys who did play. It's different next year. Everything returns to normal. And you talk about a deeper pool. Once again, though, I go back to the guys who understand exactly what they're looking for. They have a very, very clear vision for the kind of players that they want. They know how they want to build their team. They have advantages in these worlds. And so um, the analytics will certainly impact um, the way we go forward when it comes to evaluating. 
All right. I, I want to switch gears a little bit before we get to the Jags. One more, one more uh, kind of crossover topic here. One of the major storylines in sports has been baseball cracking down on what they're calling the sticky stuff, right? The spider tack. There's all the different, you know, the pine tar, the different things pitchers have used to really give them a better grip on the baseball, which has led to really pitching dominance and, and, and hitting has kind of fallen on the wayside. Um, runs are down. It's a less entertaining game. So baseball is going to step in and do something about it. What, what I want to translate to football is I was thinking of what have people done in the past to try and find a competitive advantage and what could they do in the future? So I'm going to list off the ways that teams have tried to get an edge or players have tried to get an edge. You know, you think about different, you know, on-field substances or how you can kind of manipulate yeah. things. So this is the list that I came up with, Buck. Uh, I, then I want to give it to you and you tell me from your playing career and your scouting career if I missed anything. And then you can highlight this if you think what's the most impactful. Okay. First of all, one of the first guys I talked to when I said, can you think of anything like this in football? And he goes, hmm, messing with the ball for greater impact. He's like, gee, I can't think of anything. And I'm like, oh, okay, forgot about the flake gate. Uh, so, so we've got that, right? Deflated footballs for quarterbacks. Um, old school, they used to uh, like spray silicone, I believe, on the jerseys, yeah. right? For for the linemen, you couldn't get it, couldn't get a hand on them. Then, you know, you had the double sided tape, you know, so they would tape the jersey to their pads, yeah, so you couldn't yeah. grab anything. Now the jerseys are so custom and so dang tight. I mean, it takes four people to get your jersey on, so they don't have to do that stuff yeah. anymore. You had you had stick them, obviously, stick them for on your hands for the receivers. Um, you had. Uh, Quarterbacks with with gloves being able to use that, which I think there would that to me would be one I would think going forward. If somebody, if some you know smart nerd really dug in there, I would think there's a way you could concoct a glove that could help you better control a football, um, throw with more velocity, and and uh, throw a tighter ball. Uh, but there's that. Um, then I these are some other ones which I thought are you know not individual, but a ways you could create an advantage. Think about the grass height. Right. That's been going on forever. Notre Dame was notorious. Remember against USC, the Bush, the Reggie Bush year, they let the grass grow forever, try and slow down a team. You could cut it really low, too. You could have a really fast track um, if you have a real fast team. And then the other one I wrote was um, dealing with the heat. So the Miami Dolphins, Hard Rock, right? They have a canopy that covers 90% of the stadium. You know the 10% that it doesn't cover? The visiting sideline. <laughs> yeah. And so you go there early in the year and you know, they're wearing white. They're wearing their white for those home games early in the season. So you're the Steelers or the Raiders coming in there. Guess what, boys? You're wearing black and you're standing on that. You're standing literally underneath the sun uh, for that game. I was talking to somebody that, that was that was down there that said, when you play those teams like early in the year, puking all over the place. The offense and defensive linemen are just, I mean, that's a major, that's a major deal. So now I guess equipment managers have gotten to the point now for those early games for opposing teams that they'll hold up tarps kind of over that to try and shield them uh, on the bench. But uh, this is kind of, I think people looking at this baseball thing, like this is something new, like this has been going on in sports forever, trying to find that edge. Yeah, find it. edge. I go all the way back to my days in Green Bay. Um, like we had a huge advantage, not only the weather, but the field. Uh, mm-hmm. You had to, you didn't know what kind of cleat if you're the opponent to wear, because do you wear five eighths? Do you wear three fourths? Because the grass was so long. It slow <laughs> you down a little bit. Slow, slow. Hey, all you fast guys. No, no, no. We slow you down playing the cold. So now yep. it's cold and the grass is high. Yeah, you look, you you can't move. You're out there in cement boots <laughs> trying to run around. So it's an advantage. But then to your point, man, you think about Miami cutting that grass real low. You got the heat coming in. And if you happen to be a team that plays with pace, 
like they could do. Man, you talk about all of those factors and being able to wear you down. You talked about the home teams and those warm weather locations early in the year, electing to wear white at home as opposed to their dark dark jersey, making you kind of bake in those dark uniforms. <laughs> Any, anything that you can think about being advantage, the gloves. I think the gloves are the biggest thing that has changed the game. We talk about these receivers coming down. As we with, Think about Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch. Does he make that same catch if he doesn't have gloves? No. No. Does he have it? And, and DJ, like, it's always funny to me. You hear these old school coaches talk about, take the gloves off. You're like, T- no, mm-hmm. that is stupid. Like, yeah. no, because it stops everything or whatever. The invention that you have with the gloves with the quarterback, though. I- I'm that surprised that thing. hasn't – aren't you surprised that somebody hasn't come up with something with that? Yeah, because Teddy Bridgewater, I listened to him on a podcast talk about his pro day, the infamous pro day that he had where he took the gloves off. And he's yeah. like, what am I doing? The reason I started throwing is because the grip – I could grip the ball or whatever. Like it's a huge advantage. It's different for a quarterback to to not have the bare hand, but man, with the technology and those things and how they can customize the gloves to fit your hand, why wouldn't you take advantage of those things? I, I think there's something to it. I do believe, DJ, that we are seeing it play out in terms of gameplay, right? Because another thing that we've seen in baseball, stolen base success rate is up, even though, Stolen base attempts are down. It's understanding and manipulating the numbers. I thought that we would see more teams take advantage of the two-point rule, right? The two-point rule, the conversion rates on two-point plays are like 47%. Mm -hmm. Well, when they move the PAT back to 15 um, yards, it's 94%. So basically, going for two puts you at about the same same. rate. Yeah. you might as well go for two twice because the odds suggest that, look, if you miss it on the first one, you're going to get it on the second one. But if you get it two, those bonus points change the equation. More teams should go for two. They should just be aggressive, go for two. This is what we do. We have success doing it. And also going for it on fourth down. We have seen more teams go for it on fourth down. But if you're a team that is going to play where fourth down is an actual attempt, then you need to change the way that you call plays on first, second, and third down. Because if you're saying, hey, we always going to go for it on fourth and two, well, now you call the game differently. You don't yeah. automatically on third and eight, oh, we got to get it to the six. Hey, maybe we run it, get to fourth and two, so now we can go for it. But it's a lot of ways that you can play it. I think you have to be willing to take a different approach. You got to be willing to look at the numbers and the information. And I think also you can devote, you know, you can say, look, we're going to devote more time. We're just going to devote more time to developing our two point plays as a coaching staff. We're going to devote more practice time um, to running through these plays, and we're just going to be better at it than everybody we play against. It's a free, you know, it's a free point. It, it is a free point, and I'll say this because I will use analytics to my advantage as a high school coach. Like we are a team, you, you hate me because we never pass, but because we never pass, we call runs, but we go for it all the time on fourth down. If it's yeah. fourth and four left, like we're going for it. But, DJ, from a play caller mentality, what happens is you get into those downs where it's mixed down, third and six, traditional thinking, oh, they're going to pass. But if you run and get to three, then you do it again, you're good. And because two-point plays are two and a half yards, we go for two every time. Like, hey, there's no need for you to kick. Like, we're going to go all the time. It puts a lot of pressure on you as a defensive coordinator. Man, this is unusual. We don't play anybody who does that. And so I believe the teams that devote a ton of time to your two-point plays, teams that are super aggressive on fourth down, particularly fourth and 
three or less, you have an advantage because you practice it, you're comfortable. And if your coach is willing to ignore the outside noise because it's a little different, I think you can have huge advantages in the game. I think about third downs, how many times you heard your defensive coordinator say, hey, play the sticks, play the sticks. Well, what if they're not aiming for the sticks? What if they're aiming for two <laughs> yards short of the sticks so they can go for it on fourth down? Then what? You don't think like that. No, it, 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 it puts you in a bind. It makes you think differently. It makes you call different things on offense and defense, depending on how you adhere to the the analytics. I think it could be a huge advantage. And I look, there's been a lot made of it. And the outside noise is always going to get at you, right? I think sometimes, I think in the playoff game where we saw the Indianapolis Colts and the Buffalo Bills, and the Colts yeah. early went for two a few different times. I didn't hate them going for it. I hated the play call. So yeah. being able to separate going for two versus what you call, I just think we get into this thing with two point plays where we always feel like we have to throw it. And I'm like, man, it's two and a half yards. Like sometimes they're running plays. There are other things that we can utilize outside of, hey, we got to throw it. We always got to put it in the air to convert to two point conversion. No, I'm not mad you took me to the movies. I just didn't like the movie you picked. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at that part of it. Um, you know, I, I think there certainly could be like, I don't know what the football version of the shift is, Yeah, but whoever's able to come up with the football version of the shift is going to make a lot of money as a DC yeah. and eventual head coach, because it stymies people. And really, I would like to think that we have enough information on quarterbacks that we should be able to build defenses and coverage that really takes away what they do. For instance, you and I, DJ, we've talked about Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball well outside the numbers. This isn't mm-hmm. hating. This is actual and factual. He hasn't thrown it well outside the numbers in college. He didn't throw he doesn't throw it outside the numbers well in the pros. Well, why not play our defense where we jam the middle of the field and yeah. make him throw, throw it, it out? Make him throw it outside. Maybe we're more single high coverage. We put more bodies in the middle of the field and say, hey, man, like if you can throw it outside all day, we'll give that to you. But little things like that where you're able to take the information in the scouting report with the D coordinator and say, here's where he throws the ball. Let's defend where he throws it and make him throw it elsewhere because the numbers show over a four, six, eight-game period, this is where the ball is going. Yeah, I, I do think it's it's interesting to just – Every offseason, you got to believe these coaches are trying to find that little advantage that they can try something different. And that's why innovation always kind of works its way up. It starts high school, college and gets up to the NFL because they can afford your your Johnny high school coach. You can afford to throw this out there in week three against Sarah high school and know that you're going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like you got a little bit more runway leeway there to try to to implement some of these things. And I think that's, what's exciting about it. And you, I'm sure you're going to see it each and every year. uh, You know, we're going to be playing somebody, but man, I've never seen that before. Oh, DJ, like we're, we're that team kick off that kicks every kick. I love it. Like just, just all kinds of weird and random stuff. Now it's hard for me sometimes because I'm like, man, I can't believe that I would be the guy that's to trick them. The trick of coach, it. right? He's he, he, he the trick of coach. I got my dad watching from afar like, what are you doing? I love Why are you it. kicking off that kick? But, I mean, like, depending on the, the conversion rate, the math. there's a lot of – I mean, it's the math problem. Like, there's, there's a lot of value to it. And so, I don't know. I think we'll see more guys do it. One thing we didn't talk about, and I think we should talk about since it's football-related, 
What do you think about the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams? What do you, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you think about that if they do it? I actually, um, I actually like it. I know some people don't. They say it minimizes the uh, importance of the regular season. Here's why I like it. Here's why I like it. I don't, I mean, as much as I like going to Chick-fil-A and eating Chick-fil-A a lot, like I don't want it for every single meal. I feel like I've had Alabama Clemson for every single meal for a decade. Like Alabama, at least Clemson, give me somebody Ohio else. State, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's Notre it. That's it. So, so what happens? I mean, so what happens in recruiting? You, you're like, well, if I'm a five-star kid, big-time player, I got four options because those are the four teams in the playoffs almost every single year. And so it takes away from some of these other programs. They can't they, – they're so far behind. Like there is the haves and the have-nots, and it's just so few teams in the haves. Now I think, hey, you're a kid um, – you know, look, we're out here in Southern California, so whoever is that team, if it's, you know, uh, Oregon, SC, UCLA, whoever it is, but all these West Coast kids that have all gone to Clemson and Alabama over the last few years because they want to play on big stages in the biggest games, and none of the West Coast teams could offer them that. Well, now you can say, well, I can get developed. I'm going to be drafted, and I can also play on a bigger stage because there's more people coming to the party. Maybe some of those kids diversify and don't all funnel to the same three or four schools. Okay, so here's what I think has to happen. If I am a head coach now at a school that's not one of the big four that we've named, right? So now what I want my administration and everyone to celebrate, I want you to celebrate the college football playoff like they celebrate the NCAA Final Four. Yeah. Like it is beyond being the national champion is getting to the playoff because yeah. the playoff has to be a big deal. We need to make that a big deal so that it's celebrated and people know that we are one of the elite. We're one mm. of the 12 best teams in the country and we had to make it a big deal, big rings, big, everything, big banners or whatever. And some will say that's silly. If you're Alabama, whatever, you're like, I can't believe we're coming into the stadium and they got this big old banner, but you know, everything matters when it comes to recruiting. Also, DJ, I think this is great from a scouting perspective, right? We've always talked about it, and I know you can chime in. I'm going to chime in on this because, mm -hmm. look, I want to see what Carolina looks like against those heavy hitters, right? Yeah. And I don't care if they sneak in as an 11 seed or whatever, but let's see what they look like as the 12 seed playing the fifth seed. Maybe they can knock off one of those teams. When mm -hmm. we talk about the group of five teams, right? Everyone is like, ah, yeah, but can you put them in or whatever? Well, now I think it's an easier gateway to put them in because if you put them in and they knock off one, well, they've earned the right now to play Alabama. So we can't say, ah, oh, man, this is going to be whatever. Hey, if they come in, whatever they come in, they win a game to get to one of the teams that has a bye. How can you knock that? So for me, I've always wanted what the lower levels have had, which is a full playoff. Earn the right to be the champion. I know it may add more games, but to me, there's more intrigue when you have more teams because you're going to see different matchups than we would have seen before. So Appalachian State now has an opportunity to go. UCF has an opportunity to go. Teams that we never really talk about, Cincinnati, they have an opportunity to go. That's what, that's what everyone wants. Well, let's see it now on the field as opposed to debating and speculating, uh, well, you know, we should put them in. Put them in. Man, yeah. there's no excuses. Put them in and let them play. I'm curious to see how it impacts scheduling because my first thought is I think it's going to be awesome because now if you're – if you're, let's stay with Alabama. If you're Alabama, instead of playing, which has kind of been their MO a lot, is they're going to uh -huh. play a couple cupcakes 
and then they're going to play a mediocre team from a power five, you know, conference. So they're just okay. Like they, they'll play, you know, Louisville, Miami, whoever, like just okay team in a power five conference because you can't drop a game or else it could impact you getting the playoff. Well, now you you're automatically in if you win your conference. So I'm going to build my schedule to get me ready for conference play. No one, if I, if I lose to Ohio state in a, in a game in September, it ain't going to matter because I'm going to go win my conference and get in anyway. So I think it could give us some better matchups that way. Um, But I think on the scouting side of things, which is great, you want more good on good, but Maybe it takes away some of those opportunities where, you know, Western Kentucky has a big time player. and Maybe he doesn't get that opportunity to step up against some of these other teams because they're all playing each other in non-conference. Yeah, I, I agree with you that like DJ, I'm going to be honest with you. Now, if I'm now that it's a 12 team playoff, I want to give my team more bites at the apple to be able to get in. So yeah. I want to not only say, hey, we need to win the conference championship, but let's play some heavy hitters where even if we lose, maybe if. They're debating it on who should be the 12th team. Maybe because we legitimately played a heavy hitter, maybe we get a bump because of strength of schedule. And let's see what it is. And if you're talking about now being one of those teams that wants to be in the Final Four with the teams that we always talk about, the only way you get better, you got to play the heavyweights. So let's play the heavyweights early to see where we are to get ready for the conference run and the playoff. Because, you know, look, I know we're going to see Clemson, Ohio State, uh, those teams down the road anyway. Might as well get used to playing them so we know what it looks like and what it feels like when we do get in the tournament. I think it will have a significant impact on the way you schedule. Yeah, and think about it. Like if you're you're UCLA and you're sitting there going, okay – I got to, you know, I've got to sell tickets, but forever you've got, you know, a coach and I'm not saying with Chip Kelly, but just any, any coach would, would, who would be like, Hey, you can't do this to me, man. I've got to get to this number of wins so that we can get into a good bowl game. And I don't want to, but whatever. And now it's like, look, you got to go win your conference. So I'm going to schedule Oklahoma and Nebraska to come out here to the Rose bowl. I'm going to fill up the stadium and we're going to make a lot of money and play good non-conference games because not just go win your conference. Then that's what you got to do to get in the playoff. Yeah, I think it plays. I think it puts a bigger premium on winning the conference because I think now everything is about the conference championship and the conference championship game. How can mm-hmm. we build our team to win the conference? And I know we're gonna say like, yeah, but we see the same teams in the conference championship game. But now, like, let's think about a team like a Iowa State. Mm-hmm. How can they get better? Can they pick up the phone and call some teams in the Big Ten to play? Can they get outside of their conference and go to the ACC? and maybe play a big game on a bigger stage and try and get some respect and acclaim to put them in a position to be in the playoffs. I think it's different, man. I I think it's no different than the way college basketball has been forever. When you receive Michigan State, Carolina, Kentucky, um, we can talk about the game. You're fine. That's okay. It doesn't matter. We don't get, we try to get to the tournament. We're trying to build our team to win the tournament because that's really what basketball has become. It's become March madness. Hey, Mm -hmm. Everything, and I've told you, like, I've become that lazy fan. Like, hey, the, tap me in February, March, when we when we yeah. get into the action. Those things that happen in December are just to, hey, let's get us right. Let's see where we are. They're measurement games. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think this has a huge impact on that. And, DJ, what it also does, it keeps some of the players that were beginning to opt out. It keeps more of those guys engaged. So from our perspective, we know that we always give a little more weight to how guys play in those big games, the championship games, and now the playoffs. Well, now maybe we see more of these players playing in these playoff games 
because they're chasing national championship dreams, it gives us an opportunity to maybe get better evaluations that kind of mirror what they will see in the pros. Last point, we'll move on to the Jags here. Um, if my son is a high-profile five-star running back and I'm going to go to one of these teams where I know he's going to be in a 12-team playoff and we're going to be giving away even more of our carries for free, I, hey, you better have a stable of backs. I don't want my kid getting 20 carries a game for <laughs> 17, 18 games. No thanks. But I think they have to cut the regular season now. In my mind, I think I would they think so, it. right? In my mind, I think they need to do it kind of happened this year by default. Hey, man, let's have conference games. Like, let's make it a big deal where you play the majority of your teams in the conference. You need to play a big marquee game outside the conference, and let's, let's get to it. I don't know what happens with the rest of these bowl games and all of that, but now it becomes the final 12. The teams yeah. that are in the 12 get celebrated. If you're not in one of those 12, I don't really care if you do play in a bowl game. Like, I don't want to say what's the point, yeah. but what's the point? That's like it. It becomes yeah. about the it, it's basically shrunk to 12 teams. That's the postseason. The postseason is 12 teams. The rest of that, who cares? No one cares. I'm not watching that. Like, I'm not watching it. No. Like, it's the spring ball all over again. Like, yeah. let's do get that. Your red shirts. Get your red shirts out there. Get them a spring game, and off we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's it. Like, it's a, it's about the final 12, and so that's how I would approach it. All right, tell me about what uh, what's going on there in Jacksonville. No, so minicamp, uh, it, it, look, it's really exciting for me to come down and, and do it. And I think, first thing, off the bat, we've heard so much. We've had multiple conversations with Urban Meyer um, talking about culture and team and building and those things. For me, it was great to get a chance to see it play out in real time. I will say this, DJ, uh, the practice itself is very collegiate in nature. There are things that are taking place in the practice. That Explain are not, that. Explain that. Quote, unquote, NFL teams. Okay, so uh, by rule, when, when you're a player and you walk out here, uh, you know, when you go to the facility, you get into the field, there's a sideline where you hit the first practice field. Once you hit the line, everyone is running. So nice. that, is, that, is, that is how we get to go. They started out, and maybe this is the sports science. There's a, what we call, because I, I took notes, there's an activation period. So the activation period is like, hey, we're stepping over the hurdles, under the hurdles, we're doing the ladder, we're yeah. doing the med balls, we're, we're doing all this stuff for like 10 minutes, like an active movement up. Yeah. session before we get to it. Then there's, kind of like the 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 walkthrough period for about 10 minutes where we're walking through defense, offense, whatever. Then they come together and stretch. And I'm like, that's different. That's really more like a, a collegiate thing. But down here on the microphone, I call I just without for lack of a better term, there's a narrator, right? So if you can imagine, <laughs> if you can imagine a voice from heaven coming, period three, reps, reps. And so what it's doing is telling the players, hey, this is all about reps. We're going to endo as many reps as we can get. Let's do it. Hey, period four, focus. Walk through. We're walking through. <laughs> we're doing this. We're doing that. Period seven, pressure. Pressure period. So we got blitz. We got yeah. all this stuff. So it's different. I haven't been anywhere where um, that has happened. But to me, it's like the constant reminder that you would do with young people. Hey, this is what this period is. We've heard so many coaches talk about explaining the why. Yeah, I felt like that is an extension of we got to explain the why. This is why we're doing it. This is what it's about. This is the theme of the period. Let's get it out of it. So that part to me, he has a very commanding presence. Uh, it's very energetic. It's fast. It's up-tempo. He does bring them together a lot, which might be a little different than the way you see a normal NFL practice. Normally the coach the head coach will address the team 
at the end, Urban addresses them throughout multiple parts of the practice. Um, in terms of stylistically, in terms of how they're playing, look, man, it's NFL ball. Like, mm-hmm. there's a little spread, it's a little this, it's a little that. But the overall theme has a little more of a collegiate young team feel than an old team. I don't know if you could do those same things with the old team for a sustained period because the vets would be like, man, what are we doing? Who's on the mic? Like, what, what, what is this? But, but it's different. A lot of energy. Break. Hydrate. Hydrate. <laughs> Hydrate. Yes. But, but uh, like, for real, <laughs> DJ, like, like, yes, for real. Hydrate. We have a minute, one minute left, 10 seconds on to the next period. Like your transition stations, uh, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, period eight, transition. So this is, move, this, so. this is why, this is where my mind goes. Cause all I can think of is let's mix some creativity into this thing. Let's get a little Janet Jackson going on here. Five, four, three, <laughs> two, one. And I, love, and I love I love the way your fingers were moving with that. I love the way that you've been you've been conditioned to do it. It's, it's, it's everything. So all all of that is going. You got music playing, which is common. Like everyone does that after the Chip Kelly thing, but it's different. So you have a mix of what I would call the sports science with that. The other thing was there's what they call like a heavy pump station at the end of practice. So up under uh, the thing I'm giving away all their their, their trades here because I hope I don't get in trouble. But like after practice, there's like a little weight room, so they go and get a big pump, a big lift, a big whatever after, yeah. and then they're off. So I'm sure it's something to do with like the sports science and how they're going. And I know it's driving them crazy. The one thing that was different is when you would go see Ohio State practice or Florida State pra- Florida practice in the past, it was always a competitive ones versus ones. Yeah, yeah. He, he's had to dial that back, and I I know that's that's probably different for him because it's not, it's not spring ball, spring ball. We're competing. You having a competitive period. You can't necessarily do that because of well, once training camp gets, going. once training camp gets here, I bet you we see a lot of that though. I bet you there'll be a lot of good on good. That's been his philosophy forever. Yeah. No, now I, I, I will say very unique. I don't know if you know Joe Cullen at all, um, but Joe Cullen is down here as D coordinator. He has some other guys with him. Bob Sutton is kind of here hanging around. This defense is going. It's going to be, I, I, for lack of a better term, it's going to have some Rex Ryan elements yeah, yeah. to it. A yeah. lot of simulated pressure, zone dogs, guys coming from everywhere. Um, not quite the positionless ball, but there are a lot of what I would call hybrids. A lot of stand-up players that can move around and do a bunch of different things. I think you'll see a lot of deception, a lot of smoke and mirrors, pressure packages. Um, I can't talk about the Jaguars without talking about Tim Tebow. So I give you a quick Tim Tebow. Update. Yeah. What did he look like? Um, uh, he can catch the ball. Uh, he's moving around. Okay. And doing some of those things or whatever, like the best part of his game right now is just being able to kind of catch it blocking. The big challenge for him will be the physicality and the aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Does he have enough dog in him to be able to go and hit the defensive end on those cross zone blocks and, and wham blocks? And those things because they were doing it right now with the bags, and it's still a, it's a little tentative. Like it's going to be interesting if he's going to be able to rev it up and like really smash and crash when you need to. It, it's an unnatural thing for a quarterback to make that transition. That's that's going to be the that's going to be the thing. Can I summarize what everything we've got from Bucky on this? Uh... On this Jaguars <laughs> practice. Here's what I got, Buck. Let me just summarize it for you. 
practice over. Time for pump. <laughs> Tim Tebow sprinting to those weights. <laughs> hammer curls, hammer curls, hammer curls. Sleeves up, sleeves up. More hammer curls. That's 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 what I've got from he you. Is, he is yoked up. I will say he is he is undergoing a body transformation. Um, he is definitely like putting it together and making it happen. He is a yoked up tight end for sure. Uh, Tim, practice is over. <laughs> Need to go inside. <laughs> I love it. They're going to hate me for letting, letting everybody know they have a narrator. But oh, I love funny. it. I, I love it. I was at practice. I was like, I had to ask, where is the voice coming from? Who is yeah. the voice? It's his chief of staff. Urban's chief of staff is the one that is okay. announcing those things or whatever. So it's, it's the heads up <laughs> to whatever. Um, interesting. Oh, you're like this because we, we were talking about the Jags and building and as it relates to the baseball thing to bring it full circle. Um, when you look at the Jaguars draft this year, all power five draftees, mm-hmm. no small schools, uh, four and five star recruits, uh, brand names. So when we talk about prototypes, very much in the prototype family. Uh, Notice today for a tryout, Laquan Treadwell was in as a trip as, as a tryout. Kid. Yeah, five star kid, big school, this and that. So it's just one of the things that that stood out. And when you hear Coach Meyer talk, it's always bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. They want to be a bigger, faster team. To me, it's just like recruiting um, big team, heavyweight team, teams that can kind of win a slugfest. Uh, that's, that's what they're trying to build. Well, that's good insight, man. Um, well, it's been great to catch up, Buck. I'm glad you got a chance to get down there and get your eyes on the Jags. It was a fun one today. Yeah, it's always fun. Man, anytime we can bring over the crossover, the baseball thing, that is always, always a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. I hope you guys have enjoyed hanging out with us. Uh, We appreciate you hanging with us, and we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.